0: Chapter 23, Part 2 of Two Years in Oregon This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Logan Lorenz Two Years in Oregon by Wallace Nash Chapter 23, Part 2 The Vital Force of the Oregon Pacific Company which was formed and brought before the world in the autumn of 1880 to complete and operate the Willamette Valley and Coast Railroad, lay in the advantage of position in its central line, cutting Oregon in half, and thereby attracting traffic to it from both sides, and also in the solid backing of about 950,000 acres of land, stretching across the state from east to west, and which was certain to rise fourfold, at least in value. By the construction of the railroad through it. The first hundred and thirty miles of the road pass through Benton and Lynn counties, which together produce about one half, and with the adjoining counties of Polk and Marion on the north, and the county of Lane on the south, fully three quarters of the wheat crop of Oregon. It was estimated by a committee formed in these counties, who investigated the subject thoroughly, that not less than one hundred and eighty thousand tons of grain and other freight to the amount of fifty thousand tons or more would seek an outlet over this road from these valley counties on the basis of the crop of eighteen seventy eight the subsequent increase in acreage under crops would give not less than three hundred thousand acres instead of two hundred and fifty thousand at a very moderate estimate the inward freight may be taken at one-half of the outward bound thus giving four hundred and fourteen thousand tons which the new road would be called on to transport. These figures raised the ire of the Oregon Railway and Navigation Company and some of its Portland friends, and their abuse called forth a reinvestigation of the whole subject, which resulted in thorough confirmation of the estimates. Oregon Pacific Railroad The Oregon Pacific proposed, as soon as open for business, to lower the $7 a tonne the previous average charge of the other company on valley freight to san francisco to three dollars and a half and the twenty four dollars for first-class passengers and fourteen dollars for emigrant passengers to one-half of those figures and it showed a very large probable dividend on its capital on those reduced figures the reasonableness of this will be seen by reference to the enormous earnings of the other company the whole question turned, of course, on the practicality of so improving the entrance to Yakina Bay that heavy-laden ships of deep draft could enter to deliver and receive cargo. The Valley Farmers and Traders, to the number of 3,400, petitioned Congress to appropriate $240,000 for these works. Strenuous efforts in support of this petition at Washington in the session of 1880 suffice to overcome the opposition of the oregon railway and navigation company and the prayer was granted in principle but only an extent of forty thousand dollars after the fashion in such cases but the careful surveys and investigations of the united states engineers which were at once undertaken justified the hopes of the people and of those interested in the railroad and very early in eighteen eighty one the works for the improvement were begun application was made to congress in the winter session of eighteen eighty to eighty one to appropriate two hundred thousand dollars more for the works but only ten thousand dollars were granted although the legislature of oregon had in their session of eighteen eighty by formal resolution unanimously supported the application for two hundred thousand dollars but the farmers of the valley counties were at last roused to vigorous action and under the presidency of the lynn county grange and its officers are raising a large fund by subscription to continue without interruption the harbor works until additional appropriations are made by congress the subscription will not only serve to keep the harbor works in vigorous progress but demonstrates the subscribers conviction of the success of the efforts made for the completion of the Oregon pacific railroad and their active and personal interest in such success probable effects of competition and now the full force of the figures given in the last chapter is seen so far as the oregon railway and navigation company depends on oregon for its support it must come from counties the population of which is but twenty eight thousand one hundred eighty and the value of their taxable property in eighteen eighty only $6,256,547, the proportion of property for each inhabitant being $228.96, or nearly 20% below the average for the state. The Oregon Pacific will draw its present support from the Valley counties, with a population of 83,549, and taxable property of $23,735,262. Each about fourfold greater. Their average property is $282.68 per head, or about 2% above the rate for the whole state. If it be argued that the Oregon Railway and Navigation Company bases its hopes for maintaining its high dividends on its enlarged capital on the development of eastern Oregon in population and productions, which is in rapid progress, I reply that the same considerations apply with vastly increased force to the districts served by the oregon pacific the latter relies not only on the fertile lands on the western side of the cascades unequaled in the whole united states for attractiveness to immigrants of the better class but it also asserts its undoubted claim to profit from the settlement of the broad stretch of country also in eastern oregon through which its line runs in its eastward course if stress is laid on the advantage of the established position of portland for the headquarters of the one road the scale kicks the beam when the one hundred and ten miles of towage and pilotage the probable delays in the rivers the certain dangers and difficulties at the columbia bar are weighed against the saving of two hundred and twenty-one miles in actual distance and the short course of but three miles from the ocean to the wharves at tactics in opposition if mr villard has displayed his cleverness in laying hold of established profits and turning them to the enormous gain of himself and of those friends of his who have followed his lead i can here do but partial justice to the foresight and energy of colonel t edgerton hogg whose clear judgment realized the necessity and the many advantages of the yakina route ten years ago who has fought through unnumbered difficulties and a bitter and envenomed opposition toward its attainment, and who has secured, in so doing, the hearty support of the backbone and sinew of Oregon life, which trust to the Oregon Pacific to set free the commerce of the state. Let it not be supposed that the Oregon Railway and Navigation Company is foredoomed doomed to failure, or to immediately explode and go out like a rocket according to my ideas, it may have a moderately prosperous future, bringing down to Portland a certain quantity of freight and passengers from the upper country, and an increasing quantity as that country develops. But to suppose that on its enlarged capital it will be allowed to go on earning dividends at this same preposterous rate as heretofore its boats have made for it, is to insult the common sense alike of the Oregon farmer, and of the capitalist looking now more eagerly than ever for profitable and safe investment. One other point deserves attention. The Oregon Railway and Navigation Company owns practically no land, except its building land speculation in Portland. Therefore, when these competing lines come into play, and traffic rates are consequently reduced over all the state, its dividend-producing power is gone. The other lines can follow it down and down in any war of rates, so far as the Oregon Railway and Navigation Lines see fit to venture. Such tactics would be absolute madness in California, as by its new constitution, rates once lowered cannot be raised again. But suppose the war of rates is begun in Oregon. The Northern Pacific, when completed according to law, will save 151 miles in distance and deliver freight and passengers at deep water on Puget Sound. The narrow gauge roads and boats together can carry more cheaply than the Oregon Railway and Navigation Company. The Valley Standard Gauge Railroads and the Oregon Pacific share with the Northern Pacific this tremendous advantage that every dollar they lose on transportation is only invested at enormous profit in the rise in value of their lands it is the cost of transportation that keeps down value on their lands lower this and the land rises at once nor is it to be supposed for an instant that the same tactics by which it has been attempted to prevent hamper or delay the building of the oregon pacific railroad will long succeed shortly after the prospectus of that railroad was issued there appeared in the oregonian of portland three columns of abuse over the signature of examiner the writer described himself as a citizen of oregon anxious to avoid delusion and disaster to the eastern public the whole was telegraphed or mailed long in advance back to new york and appeared in a garbled and still more contemptible form as a circular professing to be reprinted from the oregonian as if from the editor's chair of that paper new york was flooded with the copies fortunately it was easy enough to repel the attack since the chief points were that the eastern oregon lands were worthless and the statements of the willamette valley trade exaggerated and on both points ample even overwhelming evidence was at hand the cascade mountains road then by what hidden influences it is of course impossible to say The Secretary of the Interior, Mr. Schurz, was set in motion on the allegation that the Cascade Mountains Road had never been made, and that consequently the United States had been imposed upon fourteen years ago, when Congress granted the lands to the State of Oregon, and that State defrauded in turn ten years ago, when, on certificates of due completion satisfactory to the then officials of the State, the lands were duly confirmed to the wagon road company thereupon without inquiry as to the facts from the state officials of oregon or from the road company or their representatives who had all the evidence in their possession without one word of notice to any of the parties concerned a man named prosser then residing at seattle and occupied in repressing unwarranted timber cutting on government lands in that neighborhood was dispatched to professedly examine into the condition of things his journey the narrative of his duplicity of his inducing the president of the road company in the innocence of his heart to fit him out and to lend him all the money for his expenses of his return and interviews with the citizens of albany of his subsequent report that no road existed where upward of five thousand wagons and innumerable droves of cattle and of passengers on foot and horseback had passed without incident for ten years of his allegations of the trivial cost of the works met by the evidence of the outlay of about one hundred thousand dollars on the construction and repairs of the road of the storm of indignation which swept through lynn county and found expression wherever the facts were known All these things form an amusing chapter in the history of this transaction. The Congressional Committee, to whom the matter was referred, reported, as might be expected, that Congress had no jurisdiction, that so far as they could see, the present owners, being innocent purchasers, had good title to the lands, and that, if there were to be any attempt made to disturb them, it must be a judicial and not a legislative matter. Meanwhile, an action of ejectment had been brought by the purchasers from the road company of the land grant in the united states district court at portland against a squatter on the land whose letters of old dated the commissioner of the land office had been made the pretext for the course taken by the secretary of the interior every opportunity was given for raising in court the question of no road but the defendant dared not accept the challenge And Judge Deedy rendered judgment for the owners of the land grant, and so settled the question for good and all, so far as I can see. His judgment was masterly and exhaustive, and I should think would convince any candid mind. Thus ends this act in the drama, with the position of the Oregon Pacific confirmed at every point, and the Oregon Railway and Navigation Company, with a very pretty quarrel on their hands with the Northern Pacific, and an impending competition at which the farmers of the state rejoice. And so the transportation question in Oregon is in a fair way to be settled in a manner consonant with justice and honesty, so that produce will be charged only what is commensurate in fair measure with the cost and risk of the service rendered, and not in the opposite direction of what the producer can bear. The Yakina Improvements Before I close this subject, Let me describe very shortly the principle and method of the harbor improvements at Yakina. The problem is this. In the harbor is a sheet of tidal water running up more than twenty miles inland, and in the bay or harbor proper expanding into a width of about three miles. To the tidal water has to be added, that brought down by the Yakina River and its tributaries in a course of fifty miles or thereabout. The deep-water channel to the ocean through which this inflow and outflow are repeated twice every twenty-four hours is deep and narrow, and the current very swift. Thus, this channel of a quarter of a mile wide between the headlands on either side of the mouth does not vary appreciably in width or depth, and requires no attention. Just where the mouth opens to the ocean is the reef of soft sandstone rock rising in intervals of separate rocks to within ten or eleven feet of low-water mark that is to say each of the three channels through the reef north middle and south gives this depth of water but here the water which has kept clear and deep the channel of a quarter of a mile wide or thereabout expands to a width of about two miles consequently the current is not sufficiently strong in any one of the three channels to prevent the piling of the sand against the rock outside and in in a gentle rise from the forty foot depth outside to the height of the rocky reef and similarly from the thirty feet inside the reef the engineers propose by a jetty from the south beach to a group of rocks forming the south side of the middle channel to extend the narrow deep channel inside And the consequent force of concentrated tidal and river water up to the rocky reef itself they judge that the tidal force is ample to scour away clean all the sand deposited both in and outside the reef they propose then to blast away the rock itself from the middle channel which as the obstruction is both soft and narrow will be neither a difficult nor costly operation and they intend thus to open to the commerce of the world the calm and deep waters of the harbour which will suffice to receive all the fleet of vessels trading to this coast the construction of the jetty is proceeding rapidly by means of large mattresses of brushwood sunk in the destined position loaded with rock and attracting and retaining the sand and covered in when the needed breadth and height are gained with larger rocks brought down from a quarry of hard stone about eight miles up the harbour no one who like the present writer has often tried to stem the tidal current sweeping out to sea can doubt the force and velocity it will bring to bear and no one familiar with yakina doubts the anticipated success of the improvement once gained it will be permanent and then half an hour will suffice to tug the arriving vessel from the deep waters of the pacific to her station alongside her wharf and at the same time will dispatch her fully loaded on her voyage to sum up this matter at present a very large portion of the profits of farming and of other industries in oregon goes into the pockets of the transportation company the rates of freight bear no proportion to the benefits obtained but are fixed simply on the principle of sitting down to pencil out a list to see how much the farmers can possibly pay if this state of things were to be indefinitely perpetuated the outlook would be dreary that a radical change is impending is to me clear the country is too rich in productive powers the citizens are too fully awake to the needs of their position the knowledge of what oregon is and what she wants is too widely spread and the president of the oregon railway and navigation company has trumpeted forth the enormous profits of his corporation too loudly for the failure of the efforts now in progress to introduce competition in the carrying trade so that i for one am at rest as to the result oregon will take her own part in the general movement now current throughout the United States, to regulate, if not to curtail, the powers of the corporations. But I have confidence in the steady and peaceful character of her population not to carry this matter here to extremes, which might unduly burden associated capital, and check the flow of its full current to our state. End of chapter 23, part 2.